Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Floods, landslides predicted for Caribbean region through January 2022. Jamaica cannabis industry gets $15 million boost. Puerto Rico debt restructuring bill advances amid criticism. University of the Virgin Islands names Dr. Ty Hunt Caesar as founding dean of School of Medicine and Liot to resume services to St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, October 27th. We start our report today with a look at predicted weather conditions for the region. The Barbados-based Caribbean Climate Outlook Forum yesterday warned Caribbean countries to be prepared for high flooding and landslides until January next year. In its latest Caribbean Climate Outlook's publication release, Karakov said that the three-month period from November 2021 to January 2022, La Nina conditions are in place. La Nina is defined as cooler than normal sea surface temperatures in the central and eastern tropical Pacific Ocean that impact global weather patterns. This means particularly high flooding, flash flood, landslides, rock falls, and soil erosion potentials across Belize and the Caribbean islands until December and from late November in the coastal Guyanas, Karakoff said. It shared that with the transition into the dry season in Belize and the island's frequent short dry spells are expected from Hispaniola westward, potentially impacting unprotected crop farming, especially in the case of pre-existing droughts. On a positive note, with the 2021 heat season ending in October, heat stress should quickly subside. Karakoff also reported that as of October 1st, severe or worse short-term drought has developed in the northwestern and southeastern portions of the Bahamas, northern Belize, westernmost Cuba, easternmost Guadeloupe, northwest Martinique, and St. Barts. Trinidad and Tobago Newsday reports that Jamaican company Mediconja has received a major boost with an investment of 15 million U.S. dollars from major U.S. investor Noble Capital Fund and leading international management consultant Dr. Trevor Hamilton. Jamaica's Minister of Industry, Investment and Commerce, Audley Shaw, said this is part of a 100 million U.S. dollar investment the fund will make in Jamaica projects over the next three years. Speaking at a media briefing on Tuesday, Industry, Investment and Commerce Minister Audley Shaw said this will enable Jamaica to access the global nutraceuticals market, which is valued at $417.66 billion in 2022 and is expected to grow at 8.9% from 2020 to 2028. 
the U.S. $15 million Medicanja investment will create over 200 jobs in the short term and will deliver over 10 million in annual exports. This level of export sales will certainly help to alleviate our trade imbalance, and we certainly welcome any investment that will deliver this kind of export revenue to the economy any day of the week. The growing demand for dietary supplements and functional food is expected to be a key driving factor for global markets over the forecast period. Founded in 2013 by Dr. Henry Lowe, Medicanja is Jamaica's first registered cannabis company and has 10 patents pending with the Jamaica Intellectual Property Office and 12 pharmaceutical products approved by the Jamaican health industry. In 2020, it received 12 certificates of free sale from the Florida Department of Commerce. It has signed a manufacturing agreement with Rafa Health Network for FDA-approved manufacturing in the U.S. and a distributor engagement with Zimmerman and Company for the Caribbean. The products are available in Ghana, Barbados, the U.S., and Canada. Lowe said a major setback to progress over the past eight years has been banking issues in the United States, which had a ripple effect on the local banking sector. He said he believed the new program would be sustainable. Some CARICOM countries have taken a positive step in exploring the uses of cannabis, and we are prepared to support others. We are invested in exploring the role of cannabis in health and wellness, and we have yet to scratch the surface of a move into the tourism industry. Our focus is on using a key product to establish a market. Shaw said the U.S. Congress has approved the revised Safe Banking Act for the cannabis industry to become bankable, and this will go to the U.S. Senate for final approval shortly. He also noted that the World Health Organization has removed medical cannabis from the list of dangerous drugs. Hamilton said he believed the investment would allow cannabis to become a new industry in Jamaica in the next five years. Jamaica Promotions Corporation President Dion Edwards said Medicanja has taken advantage of opportunities presented and was achieving international market penetration with partners in the U.S. and Europe. New Canaan advertiser reports via the Associated Press that Puerto Rico's Senate and House approved a bill Tuesday that would slash the central government's debt by half, but also sparked protests and led to fiery exchanges between lawmakers and a federal control board that oversees the U.S. territory's finances. The bill aimed to end a bankruptcy-like process that began in Puerto Rico, announced in 2015 that it could not pay its more than $70 billion public debt accumulated during decades of mismanagement, corruption, and excessive borrowing. 
In May 2017, the government filed the biggest municipal bankruptcy ever in the United States. The bill would allow Puerto Rico to cut its debt by more than $30 billion, issue new debt worth $10 billion, and award some $7 billion in cash to bondholders who have not been paid for nearly five years. Critics say Puerto Rico's government does not have the finances to adhere to the proposed debt service and warned of upcoming austerity measures. However, the bill, which squeaked by in a 14-13 vote in the Senate and later 34-12 in the House, is still in limbo because it does not have the board's support, although Puerto Rico Governor Pedro Perlusi is in favor. Today, we took a step forward toward the end of our government's bankruptcy and board's departure, he tweeted. One of the biggest points of contention between Puerto Rico's government and the board was a proposed cut to some public pensions. The government refused to approve a bill that contained any kind of public pension cuts, while the board sought to cut pensions higher than $1,500 a month by 8.5%, a move that would affect some 40,000 retirees. Some lawmakers also demanded zero cuts to the University of Puerto Rico, the island's largest public university, and to the island's 75 municipalities. Two organizations that represent mayors across Puerto Rico warned in a statement that some city and town services still might be cut as a result of the bill. The Federal Control Board did not immediately comment on the bill approved on Tuesday night. The impasse between the board and legislators threatened to erase nearly five years of negotiations with bondholders as a part of a bankruptcy-like process that has generated nearly $1 billion in earnings for the attorneys involved. It also exposed Puerto Rico to litigations that were temporarily suspended as a part of the process and forced the government to pay bondholders. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that the University of the Virgin Islands announced on Monday the appointment of U.S. Virgin Islander Dr. Ty Hunt Caesar as the founding dean of the University of the Virgin Islands as Donald Sussman School of Medicine. According to the release, the medical school is on track to becoming the first U.S. historically black college and university, HBCU, medical school to be established since 1970. And the only public medical school in the nation. It is also to be the first accredited and English speaking medical school in the Caribbean. The journey towards having a medical school has been a long and winding road with many challenges along the way, as well as numerous milestones of tremendous success, said UVI President Dr. David Hall. The appointment of Dr. Hunt Caesar stands as one of those very successful milestones, and the university looks forward to her leadership in getting us to the final destination. The University of the Virgin Islands said it conducted an extensive national search that attracted multiple candidates from the Virgin Islands and abroad. At the conclusion of our search, Dr. Hunt Caesar emerged as the appropriate candidate for this critical position, said the UVI Provost and Vice President of Academic Affairs, Dr. Camille McHaley, Chair of the Search Committee.
The university also announced that Dr. Benjamin Sachs, who has been with the project from its inception, has agreed to serve as the executive vice dean for academic affairs and work alongside Dr. Caesar Hunt. Born and raised on St. Thomas, Dr. Hunt Caesar earned a Bachelor of Science and Doctor of Medicine degrees at Howard University. She went on to earn a Master's Degree of Science in Public Health at the University of Miami in 2009, while also completing her residency in Internal Medicine and Global Health Equity at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine and Jackson Memorial Hospital that same year. From 2009 to 2011, Dr. Hunt Caesar pursued an infectious disease fellowship at the University of Miami Jackson Memorial Hospital. According to the release with the approval of the Board of Trustees, UVI's plan is to submit its application for preliminary accreditation to the Liaison Committee for Medical Education in late November or early December. In June, former UVI Board of Trustees member Donald Sussman made a $6 million landmark donation to the university for the establishment of the medical school. As currently designed, the University of the Virgin Islands Donald Sussman School of Medicine facilities will include a state-of-the-art Simulation Training Center on St. Croix, a classroom building that contains an anonymy lab with advanced visualization, a 100-seat lecture hall, and a clinical-scale lab. A biomedical laboratory facility will also be added to the medical school complex on St. Thomas. The facilities are being supported by the funding of the VI government and a $28.6 million grant from the Economic Development Administration of the U.S. Department of Commerce. The Virgin Islands source reports that the U.S. Virgin Islands had the first delegation to personally welcome Danish travelers back to the United States since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic and has since reported a successful in-market experience full of opportunities. On the heels of the territory's visit to Milan, Italy for the World Routes Air Development Conference, VI Department of Tourism Commissioner Joseph Bichelti and Assistant Commissioner Marketing Alani Henneman Todman made a journey to meet with a range of Danish stakeholders as a part of the department's strategic goal to strengthen ties with the Scandinavian country. According to the Department of Tourism release, the U.S. Virgin Islands team met with tour operators, members of the media, and other key partners in Copenhagen ahead of the White House lifting of the COVID-19 travel restrictions for fully vaccinated European and other international visitors starting November 8. Our ties to Denmark go back many centuries, and we want to continue to build on that foundation as we refine our marketing and communications to reach our traditional visitors as well as younger generations of Danish travelers, said Mr. Buschelti. With a strategic focus on increasing its reach in the Danish market, the Department of Tourism presented destination updates, including the territory's management of the COVID-19 
COVID-19 public health crisis, discussed sales and marketing opportunities, and shared ideas on issues ranging from airlift to on-the-ground coordination of accommodations and activities for Danish visitors, according to the release. Discussions with key Danish tour operators and travel professionals confirm that there has been a generational shift in the interest and expectation of younger Danes, who, unlike their elders, who often spent two weeks or more in the territory are more likely to plan for one-week stays in the U.S. Virgin Islands coupled with a week in the mainland United States. Acknowledging the pre-pandemic levels of cruise ship arrivals are not expected to return overnight, Mr. Bruschelti indicated that attracting Nordic travelers to the U.S. Virgin Islands requires a long-term vision and strategy. We are sowing seeds and setting the stage to reap results in 2022, 2023, and beyond. And finally, Antigua Newsroom reports that Liat will resume services to St. Thomas U.S. Virgin Islands in quarter four of 2021. The airline, which has been working to resume services since its restart in November 2020, will add St. Thomas as its tent destination as it works to reconnect the Caribbean. The airline is in the final stages of completing its new schedule to ensure that travelers to and from the U.S. Virgin Islands can connect with its network. The airline is expected to commence services between late November and early December 2021. The announcement of the exact restart and schedule of flights, as well as opening of ticket sales, will be published via the airline's website and social media channels. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, October 27th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and follow us on Facebook.